0: We had a wedding here yesterday, and I don't have any clue where my microphone is that I wear. I can preach behind here and behave and try to stay behind this microphone if we can't find it during the early service. But anyway, um, what happened, because I know how stories just go on and on and on, but about 1230 yesterday, Larry went out to air up a flat tire on one of his uh, long, big uh, trailers that he hauls hay in. And it had a lot of hay in it and he had more on one side than the other. And uh, as the air uh, came up and inflated the tire, the tongue uh, swung. It was kind of turned a certain way or was, and it swung and the trailer tilted and fell over on him. And it, uh, the doctor, I was there when the doctor came, I know the doctor, and uh, she said he did not suffer, he died instantly, it fell right over on his chest. But uh, uh, we as a church today are, are sad and we do know it is well in our soul. I'm so glad that you led us in that song today but, but there, there's a cloud over the church today, uh, not a cloud of defeat, but a proper cloud of, of sadness. Uh, I've known Larry Jones ever since I've known Fisherville. Uh, Larry was, he turned 70 in May. And uh, <clears throat> some of you don't know who he is, but you know Gloria, his wife, has a beautiful voice. And she sings in the choir, and she oftentimes sings specials. And uh, very, very faithful to Sunday school and church, both of them. And um, his mother, an old-time member of the church, and she's with the Lord. He's with her now in heaven. Definitely a Christian man, and I'm thankful for that. But my goodness, uh, I imagine when um, he was still in his mother's womb, he was coming to Fishville Baptist Church. But uh, we will certainly be praying. They probably will meet with Collierville Funeral Home today. The funeral will be here at the church. The burial will be at Reed Cemetery, which is off George R. James. But uh, they will probably meet with the funeral home today or tomorrow. And so we don't know any arrangements yet, but rest assured when we do, we'll spread the news. We'll put it on the website. Well, uh, the sermon I was going to preach this morning I, I, it just wasn't on my heart to preach it after uh, what happened yesterday. And uh, I got called soon after they found uh, Larry and had, was out there a long time hurting beyond description, the sadness of the family. So uh, about 4 a.m. this morning, I, I, I changed my message. And I've got to retreat something out of my office that I forgot to retreat. So, Gary, would you come lead us in prayer while I run back there and get that, please?
1: Let's pray together. Lord God, we come to you again this morning. Father God, with this uh, loss on our minds and our hearts, but, Father, there are so many needs within our church family within our community lord the one need greater than anything else is a reminder of your presence a reminder of your love and your grace father as we gather here today we we come with very very divided emotions lord we We come aware of a loss, and yet, Lord, aware of the joy that Larry feels right now in your presence. Lord, remind us as we are here today, remind us of your promises. Father, as we study in the Psalms, your promises are sure. Your love is everlasting. Lord God, be with our pastor today as he uh, brings a message from you. Let us hear your word today. Lord, open our hearts to it, open our minds to it. Father, provide healing for those who need physical healing. Lord, provide healing for those who need healing in their relationships but mostly Lord, make your presence known here today. Let each of us today, Lord, go away from here knowing we have been in your presence. Let each of us go away from here today having been changed to be more like you than we were when we came in. Father, we thank you for your many, many blessings We commit this time to you. We commit ourselves to you, Lord. And we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Brother Gary. Well, nobody suffered like Job, so turn in your Bibles to Job. Except Jesus. Turn to Job chapter 1. I've been observing death situations for 47 years. When I first went into the ministry, my beloved godly pastor one night told me, he said, As a minister, you will see more sorrow than any other vocation but he said, you will see more joy as well. I have found those two things to be true. I wanna speak today on how to minister to the hurting in view of what has happened to our beloved Larry and his family. Uh, Yesterday, while I was there, I got a call from uh, his Sunday school class and uh, a representative from the class called me and said, Brother Jack, uh, what can I tell the Sunday school class tomorrow? What can we do? How can we help? And I think that's the question every Christian asks at a time like this. Uh, How can we help? What can we do? How can we minister when a loved one is lost, when a tragedy like this occurs? So let me share with you seven things very quickly. Number one, be there for them. In Job chapter two and verse 11, we often hear what Job's friends did wrong, but they started off doing some things right. They started off running the race pretty good. Verse 11, Job two, now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity, and remember he had lost all of his children, all of his wealth, and he was covered with painful boils or sores. Now, when Joe's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place. Elphaz, the Timonite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite. For they had made an appointment together to come and to mourn with him and to comfort him. The first thing is to be there for them. In Job chapter 6, and verse 14, after they started preaching to him, he said, To him, Job said, to him who is afflicted, kindness, and this is the Hebrew word hesed, loving kindness, to him who is afflicted, who's hurting, kindness should be shown by his friend. Even though he may be going through a season of doubt and questioning, even though he forsakes the fear, the reverence of the Almighty. Uh 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, I love that passage. It says that God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our hurts and sorrows. And then he, he says in that, in that passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, when God comforts us in our tribulations and sorrows, he does that, one of the reasons is so we can comfort others. So when a tragedy like this occurs, someone you know, Uh, you need to be there for them. Uh, It means a whole lot. And let me say this is especially true of you if you've been through what they're going through. I can't tell you what it will mean to them just to see you, just to hug you. Uh, I've told you the story of Ron Dunn, my favorite Bible teacher. He's in heaven now. And his son committed suicide. He had a lot of depression problems. And uh, Ron moved on with his life. He was a great Bible teacher and he was preaching a revival once at a church. And this lady came and every night would come forward and shake his hand and say, it's good to see you smile every night. It's good to see you smile. And finally, the last night she said that, and, and uh, Ron Dunn, the preacher said, well, tell me something. Why do you say that? She said, because I lost my daughter in a car accident about a month ago, and I know that you lost your son. I was just wondering, would I ever smile again? And so if you have been through something similar, it doesn't mean you have to preach a sermon, but it just, you being there especially will comfort them. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, "For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I I believe when Christians gather together, there's a special presence of the Lord. And and it will mean a lot at that time. So be there for them. Secondly, weep with them. Look at Job chapter 2 and at verse 12. And when they raised their eyes from afar and did not recognize him, they lifted their voices and wept. And this other part was a custom and each tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. And that was an expression of mourning for the Old Testament people and instilled that in some cultures today. The shortest verse in the Bible in the English translation is what? Jesus wept. And that was at the graveside of a dear friend, uh, Lazarus, and uh, as his sisters were weeping, whom Jesus was close to. The Bible says in Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean if you're not a very emotionally geared person, you have to literally cry. But empathize, sympathize. Sometimes tears speak louder than words, folks. There's different ways you can express your sympathy. Three, now you're listening to this. And nobody needs it any more than preachers, but I can guarantee you the preachers in here this morning have seen this and what amen what I'm going to say. Don't preach. It is not a time to preach. If I, was, if I had a hammer and I was banging on your thumb right now and I started preaching to you, would you hear a word I said? No, you're hurting too bad. Now, there will come a time later where they're ready to listen to the Lord, however the Lord wants to speak to them. But this isn't a time for you to say, Oh, well, now, uh, you know, it's just just inappropriate unless they ask for it. You just be there. You weep with them. You sympathize with them. Uh, People say to me all the time, Brother Jack, what do I say at a time like this? I don't know what to say. You know what we preachers would tell you? We don't know what to say either. So if you don't know what to say, it's best not to say it. Right? The Bible says in Proverbs 10, 19, In the multitude of words there lacketh not sin, but he who restrains his lip is wise. Be their father. Sympathize with them, Weep with them. Don't pre- You don't have to know all the answers. I was asked a why question yesterday, uh, not from Gloria, but uh, from one of the children. And I could have gone into a long theological spill. I, I just didn't feel like I should say a word. But I gave him a big hug. All right, now, four. This is what I had to go back after. Allow them time to grieve. Job 2, 13. All right, you're looking at it. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him. Oh, yeah, I forgot to read that about not preaching. For they saw that his grief was very great. Now, these friends backslid from that and did start preaching. But at this point, they're doing good. Give them time to grieve. Uh, some cultures, in fact, the Hebrew culture in much of the Old Testament, they would allow at least a month, I think, at least a month for the family just to grieve, to grieve. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you just quickly the stages of grieving. Okay, now, this comes from the psychological world, but I think you'll find it true and. Your experience. Now let me say this. Not every person necessarily goes through all of these stages. Nor do they move through them in this exact order. However, realizing these are common stages of grief people experience can encourage us in a time of loss. Okay, here they go. The denial or shock stage. At first you're just in shock. I can't believe it's happened. That's where the church is right now. I just ran into one of our members coming back from the office to the auditorium. And uh, they said, because they've known Larry longer than I have, and they said, I just can't believe it. The shock stage. Second, the emotional stage. Now, again, they may not go through all of them the same way. Do not be afraid or ashamed if you suddenly, without warning, find yourself weeping uncontrollably. We are emotional beings. God gave us tear glands for a purpose. The all alone stage, where you feel deserted, forsaken, and even depressed. The panicky, panicky stage. How can we go on? How can we make it? The person we lost was such a significant part of our life. Now here's one that I see almost always, the guilt stage. I should have been there. What if, what if, and you have a tendency to blame yourself. Or sometimes blame others. The anger stage. Yep. A natural response to hurt is anger. We may feel angry at the doctor, the minister, or even the person who died for leaving us. We may even feel angry at God. God's got big shoulders, folks. The resistance stage. Friends and family who expressed such concern at first have returned to their busy routines of life. They seem to have forgotten how precious our departed loved one was. If we return to some normality in life, it would be as though we too have forgotten. Therefore, for we resist moving on with our lives. Marsha lost her dad uh, suddenly at a church picnic. He had an aneurysm, they think, just fell over dead. And uh, she said, I'm amazed. Uh, She's told me this when we were first even going together, she said, I'm amazed at how quickly people are forgotten. Not by their close loved ones, but, but, you know, life moves on. And then the eighth stage, uh, the resolve or return stage. This is when we begin to move on with our lives. A ray of sunlight breaks, begins to break through the gray clouds of gloom. There's hope for the first time. We resolve to go on with our lives. Now, for some people, that, that may be sooner than for others. Give people time to grieve, okay? And then five, of course, pray for them. Now, it doesn't say these three guys prayed for Job, but you would think if they sat there seven days with him, you kind of think they would have prayed for him. But John 5.13 says, Is anyone among you, and he's talking to the church, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray and let the church pray. And the Greek word for suffering there is not physical suffering. It's not. It's talking about it's because of certain circumstances. Or in some cases, not this one, of course, with Larry, but in some certain circumstances, because of sin in their life. Discipline. Somebody suffering? Pray. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.11, you also helping together in prayer. And he's talking about when he was facing death. Now, you said this. I've seen this in my life, and I've heard it more times than I can remember. We felt those prayers. Did you know that? You can feel people's prayers. That's why it's so important that church be a house of prayer and that we have our prayer meetings on Wednesday night and at other times. So you may wonder, what can I do? Well, I can tell you one thing you can do, and it's a big thing. You can be praying for them, praying for them. And six, offer practical help, but don't be a nuisance. Don't overhelp. Galatians 6, 2, and 5 I shared it with you last week. It says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens. And the Greek word for burdens there is something too heavy for them to bear alone. But then in the same context in verse 5, it says each one shall bear his own burden. Different Greek word. It just means a load that they're able to bear. It's interesting that the Bible says when Job's friends approached Job, they didn't even recognize him. Why? Why? Well, verse 7 tells us of Job 2. There were painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Now, I don't know where they came from exactly, if they had much medicine or anything. But, you know, it would have been nice if they had brought a little salve or something, a balm or something. Sometimes you forget that practical help at a time like this can mean a whole lot. They needed to get in touch with the funeral home yesterday, and uh, I have the funeral home on my phone, Carbo Funeral Home, and um, I said, "Glory, I'll I'll be glad to call them." So I was just thankful I was able to help in that way and to go back and forth with them till they got there. But there are other many other ways. I'm not patting myself on the back, believe me, uh, I'm not. But uh, there are ways you can practically help. When Paul was in the Mamertine dungeon. He told Timothy, he said in 4.13, bring the cloak or the coat that I left. That doesn't sound real spiritual. It's cold. Now, this doesn't mean you do everything for them. Because I have actually seen the fact that sometimes when you lose a loved one, having some things to do can even be therapeutic. You know? Because sometimes it's hard if you just sit there and don't do anything. But help where you can and where you feel like you should. And then seventh, and I'm finished, don't forget them. James 1.27, and you find this theme in the Bible, visit the orphans and the widows in their distress. And that implies anyone who's in a desperate situation, a distressful situation. Uh, this is pure religion and undefiled. Uh, my mother and dad are buried in the cemetery in Drew, Mississippi. Drew's just gone down, 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 down. But that's where they're buried. And my sister and I have an unsolved mystery. Somebody regularly puts flowers on their grave. We don't know who it is, but it means so much to us. Somebody hasn't forgotten. Maybe a relative. Maybe an old friend. And sometimes for those of us that are really close to someone who loses a loved one, put the date down on your calendar. And the next year when it rolls around, send them a card. Give them a call. It, it just lets, lets them know, because they hadn't forgotten But it lets them know that you haven't forgotten either. I'm not sure how to give an invitation after this sermon, but I know how to give an invitation. Let's stand and bow our prayers, (laughs) bow together for prayer. If you came to hear a great theological discourse today, I'm sorry, that's just not what was on my heart. Uh, Come back tonight. God says we are to comfort one another with the comfort we've been comforted with. Let's not be selfish Christians. Let's minister to one another when we have a need. Who is always our example? God. We're to be imitators of God, the Bible says in Ephesians. God didn't sit up in heaven after we chose to sin and suffered the consequences of suffering and death and living in a sin-cursed world. God didn't just sit up in heaven and say, well, I told you so. I'm sorry. He so loved the world. He sent His only begotten Son to die on a cross for our sins so that we might be forgiven of our sin. And when we face troubles and trials, we're his children once we're saved. And he lives within us. He rose from the grave and he gives us strength. God wanted us to have strength. He wanted us to have his word as a guide. It's like Gloria said yesterday, Brother Jack, how can people face this without the Lord? I can tell you they don't face it well. I've seen that side of it too. But God... Provided a way of salvation, so that one day, before you know it, and for all eternity, we will never cry, never hurt, never say goodbye any more. Now we need to follow His wonderful example. Jesus is wonderful example. The Holy Spirit's wonderful example, and we need to reach out and minister to those that. God places in our lives, especially when they're hurting. May God give us the grace and wisdom to do for, do that. If you've never trusted Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, won't you believe on Him today? Won't you trust Him today? If God would lead you today to make another spiritual decision, make it. If God would have you to move your church letter, would you do that today? If, like uh, Mora, you realize, you know I'm saved, but I, I've not been baptized like I should, do you need to come make that decision? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.